You are now tuned in to the Decoding Success Podcast, where we reveal game-changing habits, formulas, and routines from the world's most successful individuals to help you think and live larger. What is going on? It is your host, Matt Labrie, and you are tuned into the Decoding Success Podcast for a very special episode with another resilient, successful, and insightful guest. Today, we are joined by a record breaker, a record setter, and one of the most prolific athletes of our time. There has been no triathlete that has gained the recognition or success that Mark Allen has. After competing and losing in the Ironman Triathlon World Championships in his first six attempts at this demanding race, His resilience led him to emerge victorious in 1989, winning the most difficult one-day sporting event in the world. It would be the first of six Ironman victories for Mark, the last coming in 1995 at the age of 37, making him the oldest champion ever at that time. He also excelled at the Olympic distance, winning the sport's inaugural Olympic distance world championships in 1989 in France. He went undefeated in 10 trips to the Nice International triathlon and from 1988 to 1990 he put together a winning streak of 21 consecutive victories he was named triathlete of the year six times by triathlete magazine and in 1997 outside magazine tabbed him the world's fittest man his most recent sports accolade came in november of 2012 when he was voted the greatest endurance athlete of all time in a worldwide poll conducted by espn since retiring from competition mark shares his stories of iron man race with corporate audiences throughout the country, has a triathlon coaching service used in over 50 countries worldwide through markallencoaching.com, and is an award-winning author for his two groundbreaking books, Fit Soul, Fit Body, Nine Keys to a Healthier, Happier You, and his second book, The Art of Competition. Before hopping into our conversation today, I would like to give a huge shout out to our partner, Audible, for joining forces with our show to provide all of our listeners today with a free audiobook of your choice. To claim this audiobook, all you have to do is head over to audibletrial.com forward slash decoding success. And without further ado, let's hop into today's episode with Mark Allen. Mark, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day. I know how much value you're about to give everyone listening. So again, thank you for joining us. Hey, it's my pleasure, Matt. For sure. First question, straight off the bat, how do you define success? Success for, for me is something where you, you start with a vision and you pursue it, you commit to it, you do the, the day-to-day grunt work to make, you know, bring it into form, bring it into fruition to realize those dreams, whatever they are. But then along the way, you hit road bumps and you have to overcome them. And then suddenly uh, your, your ideal roadmap has turned into something very different than you thought. But along the way, you are able to learn something that will en- enhance your life later. And to me, that's, that's real success. When you, when you embark on a journey, you commit to it, you take it all the way to the end. But along the way, you learn things that you never imagined that you would. See, you already beat me to the punch. I totally agree with you. Now, my second question to that is always a follow-up of how do you find yourself staying on track to achieve that definition of success? And you used the perfect word, which was road bump, right? When we're on that journey and when we're striving to achieve our own personal definitions of success, we're going to continuously run into things of that nature. So how do you find yourself getting over those road bumps? Well, the 
first, the first step is when you, when you start out, realize that they're going to come and to, um, as best as you can, try not to avoid them, but just realize that it's just part, part of the, of the journey. Um, and then secondly, when you get to those road bump, bumps, maybe they're gigantic potholes, seems like a canyon you'll, you'll never get out of. Remember your vision. What, why did this journey have meaning to you? Why did it have purpose in the beginning? You know, my, my fame, I guess you'd say, is, is winning Ironman in Hawaii. Uh, and, uh, you know, an eight-hour race is a race where things can – they will never, ever go the way that I want, ideally. And certainly even in the training leading up to it, months and months and months going into that, there are days where uh, the challenges are very extreme, and I just – I'm not in the mood to, you know, keep going. But – you stop for a second, you regroup, take a breath, and then recommit and, and relaunch. And then just start working your way through it. Whatever it is, it, you'll get through it. It may take longer than you expect or longer than you hope. But in the end, you will get through it. And I, that's kind of how I drew a lot of strength was just realizing that no matter how m mired in this muck I am right now, uh, I will get through it somehow. And then on the other side, I will be able to look back and I will be able to see a valuable lesson that maybe even in this moment right now, I don't know what it is, but it will enhance my life later, make me a better person, a stronger person. It will have built my character. And that's priceless. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. I really love that. Now, I'm curious, what persuaded you to become a triathlete? I saw the Ironman on television in 1982. I was... 24 years old, I, you know, flipped on Wide World of Sports one Saturday afternoon, and Jim McKay was talking about this incredible thing called a triathlon, the Ironman triathlon. I had no idea what it was. All I, all I saw were, you know, people swimming, cycling, and running. And then, and then he uh, he recounted the distance of this race: 2.4 mile swim in the open ocean, a 112 mile bike ride on the west side of the Big Island, Big Island of Hawaii. Very stark and windy and hot and then it cap off the day with a marathon 26.2 miles of running and I thought you know how many days does it take him to do that and he said you know then he said they start at seven in the morning and the last person has to finish by midnight 17 hours later and I thought these people are nuts how can how can a human body do that but as I watched this incredible race on television these seemingly ordinary people were crossing that extraordinary finish line and about two weeks after that, I saw that on television. I thought, you know what? I want to go there and see if I can just be one of those people who can cross that amazing finish line. And that's, that's how the dream was born. To me, that is absolutely incredible, you know, and I give you a lot of credit just for, for trying that. And, you know, what you achieved through doing that is absolutely amazing. So, Obviously, it became something you were passionate about, but what triggered it as a passion? You know, it started as something that you wanted to try, but at what point in that journey was it like, you know, what clicked that said, all right, this is something I'm passionate about, and now I have goals that are XX and X? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, when I, my, my goal that first year was just to cross the finish line. I thought, you know, if I can, if I can do that, that's, that would be something for my lifetime. And so it was going to be just a kind of a one year, diversion, I guess you'd say, you know, I didn't, I didn't have a, 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 any kind of like real career at that point in time. So I, you know, I thought, why not? This is a perfect time in my life to do something crazy like this. And, and in, in that very first Ironman, 
halfway through the bike ride, I actually found myself tied with, with, with the guy who was the best Ironman distance triathlete in the world at that time, a guy named Dave Scott. We were in the lead and we had about a five minute gap on the next competitors. And so I was, you know, completely out of my head, ecstatically amazed. Like, how can I be with this guy who's the best in the world and we're in the lead of the race? You know, my first one. And uh, shortly after that, he, he, he surged to try to get away and I clicked my bike into a big gear and my derailleur, you know, the transmission of my bike there just completely snapped off and was dragging on the ground. So my race ended about halfway through the bike ride. Uh, so I, I, I didn't achieve that that dream or goal of crossing the finish line, but I'd been side by side with the best guy in the world for almost four hours of racing, which is about half the amount of time it takes the the leaders to cross that finish line. And so that was when the, the real dream was born that maybe, maybe someday if I take my time to develop my skills as a triathlete, I can be the champion of this great event. That's beautiful. That that's, really inspiring because you know you you hit the nail on the head right like you you weren't able to get it on that first try and you know you're you've went down in history as the greatest endurance athlete of all time and that ESPN gave you that you know so you know being that you you know you won six times you won these six Ironman triathlon world championships what kept you going? Was it that end goal that you talked about earlier where, you know, you, you had to take that, uh, that deep breath and, you know, kind of just uh, reconcile yourself. But, you know, like you, you continuously had to, had to go at it, you know, time and time again to, to get to that point where you were finishing in first place and, and you were crossing the finish line, right? So, you know, what, what was it that kept you going? Well, the, the motivation to keep going uh, changed throughout my career and in the beginning the the real goal was to you know see if I could win the race because I was I was getting better I was getting to the point where I, where I could actually be the person in the lead but the first six years that I raced in Kona I, I I finished second I finished third I finished fifth I could be in the lead halfway through the bike halfway through the marathon even with just a couple miles to go and but I just couldn't hold it all all the way to the end I kept falling apart and so it was it was this thing like I know I haven't had my best race, but I just don't know what it's going to take to have it. And so it was, I, I was actually at a point where, you know, my, my family and friends are saying, look, go to the other races around the world where you've proven that you can win, that you've proven you can beat Dave Scott, who keeps winning year after year after year. And, and I, I thought for a moment, I thought, yeah, they're right. I'm, there's just something about that race that's I'm not cut out for. And then I, then I went just, I sort of went back to basics. I thought, you know, there's only one person who's going to win the race, right? But that doesn't mean that everybody else is a loser. There has to be another reason for me to go back there other than to try to be the champion. And so in 1989, as I was starting my training for my seventh Ironman, I, I said I made my commitment. And that commitment was to just go there and have a, a great race, meaning, you know, pace it right on the swim, the bike, the run, have a solid marathon all the way through, don't fall apart. And most of all, don't worry about what place you're in. And that somehow just freed things up just enough to then start to change things in my training that I needed to so that I knew that I was at, I would be at my best, not, not being good enough to beat Dave Scott, but to be my best. And, you know, if we're, if we're focused on being better than somebody else, uh, 
that can actually shortchange us because maybe just being a little bit better than somebody else is still so far from what, we're, what our potential could, could be if we just focused on getting our, ourselves in the best place possible for whatever that journey is. And so that's, that's what I did in, in 1989. And it, there, there were a lot of things that went into it, but that, that was one of the, the biggest changes was just how my purpose what my purpose was going over there. And then in the race, you know, every, every single Ironman, even the, I, I want to, you know, I raced it six times, didn't win. And then the next six, uh, I did win them. And, uh, but in, even in those wins, those races where I was able to cross the line in first place, there were still a thousand moments where I just didn't know if I could keep going, where something would happen and all of a sudden it looked impossible to achieve that dream and where I just wanted to give up. And I, I knew these things were going to come up, those moments were going to come. And so, you know, I, I, in all the months leading up to it in my training, I would just, anytime I got into a place in a workout where my mind started to go away with that chatter, like it's too hard, it's too hot, I'm too tired today, I'm not in the mood for this, I would work on just getting my mind to be quiet, you know, and, and it can be as simple as just taking a breath, just going, okay, there's that quiet space. Because when our mind is quiet, then it doesn't matter if you're feeling good or feeling lousy, you're, you're steady, you're strong, you're fully engaged, you are back in that sort of that flow where you're just you're going, you're on your journey. And it, that can, it can be anything from uh, being in a sporting event to, uh, you know, writing a paper or building something, you know, when you lock in and fully engage, then it's like you're not even concerned about the outcome. You're, you're just absorbed in this 100% uh, engagement in the project and the journey. Yeah, I think you dropped so much value there. One thing that you said that I really love and I'm a big believer in is, you know, kind of forgetting about competing against anyone else, right? I'm a big believer that we compete uh, only with one person and that's the person we were yesterday. So I really love that you said that it really resonates with me. And that brings me into the next, you know, transitioning into the next question. You, you kind of touched on it. I want to go a little bit deeper. I, I could tell that you have this amazing mental resilience, you know, and I'm really admiring it right now just speaking with you. You talked about one way to get yourself uh, to quiet the mind, right? And you, you talked about, you know, taking that deep breath. How did you develop the, the mental resilience to never give up, right? Uh, or, or better yet, how can someone listening develop their mental resilience? <laughs> That's a, that's a great question, Matt. Uh, we, we can all do it. And, you know, uh, as a kid, I was a, growing up, I was a competitive swimmer. And, but I, mentally, I didn't have it back then when I was younger. I, if somebody got just a little bit ahead of me in a race, I, I was done. I knew that there was no way I could come back. And so it's not like I just was born with this incredible mental, mental strength. It w was definitely something that I worked on. And, the, you know, the first step in developing any kind of strength is making a commitment to actually doing it. You know, most people, I, sh I should say most athletes, um, they train hard hoping that in a race they're going to have the, the strength to make it through the tough moments. When in reality, there's so many ways that you can actually practice it. You know, like I said, anytime you feel your, your mental focus going in the wrong direction, just re 
pull back for a second and regroup. You know, it doesn't, it's not like you got to have to throw away an entire workout or, or go on vacation or whatever. Just take that breath, regroup. Uh, you know, I, I wrote a book called Fit Soul, Fit Body, Nine Keys to a Healthier, Happier You with a person that I have st- studied uh, an Indian tradition with for many years. His name is Brant Secunda. And one of the, one of the keys that he has emphasized with me over and over and over is to quiet your mind. And he said, you know, the simplest way for a human being to quiet their mind, to get the experience of being quiet, is to just go outside and look at something in nature, like a sunrise or a sunset, or sit by a stream and listen to the sound, or go just walk through a forest and just breathe in that that beauty and that silence. And he said, when you do that, your mind is you're like um, you're paying attention to everything without worrying about any anything, and it's like when and I realize that it's like we've all had that experience. Like you're you, you drive to the mountains in the winter and there's a, all the snowy peaks and you just go, wow, look at that. And in that in that wow moment, you forget that you have credit card debt or that you have a problem you're working on that you haven't been able to solve or whatever it is. And so just like training our body to be strong and and to have that experience of moving fast, swimming, cycling, and running in a triathlon, when we we actually have an experience of our minds being quiet and we do that over and over and over, then that becomes a skill and a place that we can go to when we need it. Uh, But again, it, it just... Like every day, you're going to have a chance to get your mind to be quiet. Like, I can't figure this out. Okay, then just be quiet for a second. Oh, there's the answer. And it it sounds simplistic, but it's so powerful if you do it over and over and over and over and have that experience of getting your mind to be quiet over and over and over and over. It's just like if you do one run, you'll feel great, but that's not going to last you your lifetime but if you do a thousand runs it will completely transform the fitness of your body the way you look the way you feel the way you experience the way you move and it's the same with this this type of skill as well yeah i i most definitely agree and you know i I agree with the fact that you need to commit first i feel like that is most definitely the first step but i feel like committing, you also need urgency. And the reason why I say that, I'm going to give you a perfect example. My goal every morning is to be up at 5 a.m. and to be in the gym before 5.30. This morning, for instance, I had no urgency to do so. So how do you feel people can create that urgency in their life? And this goes way beyond, um, you know, mental resilience or anything. It really goes, comes down to any goal, right? And any goal that they have, they need to commit to first, but to, to continuously get there, not only do you need to take action, you need to create that urgency in your life. So what are your tips to creating urgency? I, for me, creating that, that sense of urgency is that I, I am very aware that change takes place in very small increments over a long period of time. Real, real change, meaning real fitness, real ability to uh, develop a, like a laser focus or whatever it is you're working on. It takes a long time to do it. So there is, it's not like you, you can't cram. It's not like cramming for your college, uh, you know, math test or whatever it is. <laughs> you have to start today and make it a practice each and every day. And I, that's, I guess, a word that people could use to think of it, that developing mental strength, it, 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 it's it's a practice. So each day, 
something will come up. You don't have, you don't have to go looking for a difficult situation. You, you know, life just has its way of presenting us with opportunities to learn how to do this. And so practice each day, put that skill to practice in a situation that comes up today and then tomorrow, the same thing. And then the day after that, the same thing. And each time you do it, you'll have a different relationship with how you are able to use that skills. Just like every time you hop in the pool and you, you go swimming and a swim workout, you develop your skill, your mechanics of moving your body in the same with developing that ability to focus your mind in, in a, in a direction that's very positive as opposed to a direction that, that pulls you down or pulls you away from, your 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 best and it doesn't have to even be a working on a uh, a specific big goal like i want to win an ironman it can be something as simple as no matter what you're doing ask yourself am am i giving the best that i can in this situation right now yeah it's, it's very simple and if you say no i'm not then that helps you to then refocus in a way that's much more positive. It could be anything from making your bed to doing the laundry to folding the clothes to writing a letter or, you know, whatever it is. Am I doing this the best that I can today? Ah, no, I'm not. Okay, let me refocus. Totally. Now, you know, you talk about change and I might be taking a step backwards here, but I want to bring this up because I know that there's at least someone listening that wants change in their life, yet they're scared of it. So what, what's your advice for someone that is just looking to get out of that comfort zone, you know, or, or they don't know how to get out of that comfort zone and be able to create the, the change in their life, you know, to, to kind of have their ambitions match their desires, if you get what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, I always have a, a mantra that I go by and that's change by choice. Um, you know, if it's, if there's a pattern about yourself that that you want to change do it by choice as opposed to being forced in a, into the corner to have to do it because it's it's so much more difficult and painful if we're forced to make deep changes about ourselves or the way we do things and so i always am saying to myself change by choice you know make it <laughs> make it a conscious decision to change and getting out of that comfort zone is um the only way it's going to happen. So if you're looking for an easy way to make change, stop looking because it's not going to be there. You know, I don't want to sugarcoat it. It's change is, is something that happens when you go outside of your comfort zone. Otherwise, uh, we don't. Uh, <laughs> there's a great saying that says, smooth seas do not make a great sailor. You know, and you can kind of think about that in terms of change. If you're just going along nice and easy, there's nothing that's going to spark anything to be done any differently. So um, don't avoid the don't avoid the difficulty of it, but embrace it and be empowered by it. Because taking one step in, in the direction of a change that we're trying to make is so empowering because it's like all of a sudden I am a different person today than I was yesterday because of this one step that I took. And then maybe tomorrow I, I can't do it, but the next day I do it again and I make take another step in the direction of becoming the person and living the action that I want to. 
Yeah, that, that's great advice. Now, Mark, I want to I want to respect your time. I want to squeeze two questions out of you. Mm-hmm. The, these two questions are, you know, cemented into this interview. Every interview I do, I ask these two. The first of the, the two is, what was a piece of advice you were given that you didn't want to hear, but it proved to be true over time? Um, well, one of the... One one of the great pieces of advice that um, Brant Secunda gave me, and he's he's said this to me over and over and over. He said, "The, the Weichel people, who who are the the tradition that he teaches, the Weichel people say it's never over until it's over." And um, you know that's their way of saying, no matter what, take that next step, and then the one after that, and the one after that, because you never know when something might change and and start moving in the right direction again. And, you know, that, that was a hard one for me to, to hear in the beginning, just because it sounds like, Oh God, I'm not, you know, I I can't do it. I can't take, I can't take that next step, you know, but over time I have, when it gets tough, that comes back in my mind and I say, take that next step. And like in the Ironman, you know, there's so many moments when I wanted to quit and that saying would come back to me that he told me, and I would say to myself, take this next step, take this next pedal stroke, get to that next aid station. And then next thing I know, all of a sudden, I am feeling better and I, my strength does come back. And then I go on and I win the race. And I've looked back so many times and thought, you know what? I was ready to give up. I was ready to just throw in the towel, give a 50% effort, just get across the line and, and, and go home. But instead, I took that next step. It's never over until it's over. And that, uh, that kept me in the game so many times and made it so that in the end, it turned out to be, you know, six incredible Ironman triathlon world championship victories. Yeah, I love it. That's great value right there. Now, last question. If someone came up to you today that was seeking advice in regard to achieving their definition of success, what would that be? You know, the the best advice is to, there's two pieces to it. One is to get a clear vision of what it is you're actually trying to do. And then the second is to live what you ask for. And this, those are two keys also in the book that I mentioned, Fit Soul, Fit Body. If you know and set your quest, like, why does this have purpose and meaning to me? You know, why do I, why do I want to go win the Ironman? Winning is one thing, but that doesn't necessarily have meaning. So it's like, what am I trying to put out there? What will have deep meaning to me when I look back at the end of the day and at the end of the season to embark on this journey? Use that vision to carry you forward. It's, it's like a magnet that helps you focus your your energy and, and all of your actions to start moving down that path. And then the, the hand, the hand in the glove, you know, the second half of that is living what you asked for. There are a lot of people who wanted to win the Ironman, but there were very few who were willing to do the work that was required of it. And so if you have a vision and then you ask yourself, what is the work going to be that I'm going to have to do? And ask yourself, honestly, can I commit to it? And if you can, it, it's amazing what you can achieve and what you can do and, and how fulfilled you will become because you made that, that commitment and you have that dream, that vision of something that has purpose and meaning for you. I love it. And I love the word fulfillment. I definitely appreciate you dropping that word. Now, Mark, thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to join us. Where can people keep up with you on social media or a website or something of the nature? 
Yeah, you can you can uh, go to uh, Mark Allen Grip on Instagram. Uh, you can also go to Mark Allen Coaching on Facebook and FitSoulFitBody.com uh, on, on, on the web and see information about our book and upcoming workshops that we have there. So three different places. MarkAllenCoaching.com is my coaching website. Uh, FitSoulFitBody.com. And then on Instagram, I'm posting all the time. Mark Allen Grip. Mark, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day and adding value to all of our listeners. Hey, my pleasure, Matt. Appreciate you having me on the show. And there you have it, another episode of the Decoding Success Podcast, this time around with the world's fittest man, the greatest endurance athlete of all time, Mark Allen. Super grateful for the opportunity to have Mark on the show, to have his success decoded, and to be able to amplify that message to all of you that are tuned in right now, elaborating on his values, his insights, his experiences, his lessons learned, and so on. Amazing, amazing opportunity. I highly suggest taking the time to connect with him on social media if you can check out his website check out his books and as i always do I always elaborate on that one thing that really stands out to me during these interviews. This time around with Mark, that one thing that stood out to me was the power of a quiet mind, the power of the breath, right? Being able to control that, which we all have in our arsenal. We all have that at our disposal, yet I'm personally guilty of it. I've been down a spiraling staircase of negative thoughts and excuses or whatever the case is, specifically recently too, when I want to go out for a run or when I want to go to the gym, I'll make the excuse. I'll do whatever's easy, right? But when you quiet your mind, as Mark mentioned, it is a total different ballgame. So I really want to give a lot of credit to Mark for sharing that. Very grateful for him refreshing that in my mind and in everyone else's mind that's tuned in. That's exactly why we do that brief breathing exercise at the beginning of every episode, right? To quiet the mind, to become more in the now, to just be in the present moment. So definitely grateful for that. Listen, as I always jokingly say, which really isn't a joke, the fee which is free for listening to the show is sharing it with another individual. Just text it to someone. Click those three little dots right next to the episode if you're listening from Apple iTunes or whatever they're calling it, pod, Apple Podcasts these days. Send it out to someone. They will be so grateful for you sharing this message, especially if you have found this episode insightful, valuable, and actionable. Make sure you do that. And listen, if you can, it would mean the world to me if you can rate and review the show as we continue to build the street cred, that is so, so important. So listen, I truly appreciate it. Share it, rate it, review it. Hit me up on social at M-A-T-T underscore L-E-B-R-I-S on Twitter, on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn is just Matt Labrie. Feel free to reach out to me. I would love to connect with you all directly and to be of value to you all directly. Until next time, be blessed. Peace. Peace.